so now, 21 days of prayer and fasting. How are you guys doing? Yeah, commercial's looking pretty good. <laughs> All of a sudden, everybody's talking about food. Everybody's talking about food. <laughs> 21 days of prayer and fasting, guys. Here's the thing. I want you guys to understand that not to look at just 21 days of prayer and fasting as a, as a sacrifice, but I also want you guys to understand that this is, not, this is a lifestyle, a lifestyle of, of a believer who's, who's captivated uh, with Jesus, who says, I, you know what, I love Jesus and I follow Jesus. And, you know, there's been debates in the past uh, with certain people of, you know, do we fast? Was that then? This is now? This whole deal? Well, I want to show you what Scripture says. Okay, not what I think, what God says, what his word says. Okay, now there are two ways, two ways that we can be, be a Christian, okay? Casual Christian or captive Christian? Everyone say casual Christian or captive Christian? I believe so many times that the word captive can sound so negative or have a negative meaning behind it. I mean, you think about it, it's like, well, that's just isolation or, or, or bringing you behind bars and you know, you're, you're captivated. But there's also another side of the word captive. And the other side is more of uh, attracted to or captivated by. You see, there are so many times that casual Christians uh, uh, won't, does, are not captive because of the fact that it's uncomfortable and they don't quite understand. But here's what I want to share with you guys. Okay, I'm not labeling anybody here. I just want to speak what the word says. But when you are a casual Christian, what casual brings is comfort. You're, you're, you're just going with, with what everyone else is doing in the church or how things are being ran with this world. We're, we're, we're casual. We're a part of it. And here's the thing. When you're casual, there is no emotion behind it. None whatsoever. There's no uh, uh, intimacy behind it. And there's no commitment behind it. You're just one with the crowd, blending in. You can walk in a room with the group. You can walk out, and no one even knew you were there because you're casual. You're just, you're just blending in with the crowd. But Jesus, in his word, he taught us to be captive. He taught us to go above the comfort zone. He called us to stick out of the crowd. And so many times we don't like that. I don't want to stick out of the crowd. I don't want to do that. We just want to blend in because it's so comfortable here. But God say, no, 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 I need you to stick out. I need you to come out of that. Philippians chapter 1, verse 2 through 12 says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, so he's speaking to all of us, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So stop for one second, okay? This is the Apostle Paul that's writing this book right here, and he's writing a letter of encouragement, okay? And this is what he's doing. He's saying, Watch me and watch what I'm doing so I can advance the gospel. Now, let's understand the scenario for a second. He is not in his desk or in his study writing this letter out. He's behind bars. He's in jail. He's chained up. And he's writing this letter. Verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So this is what the scripture just showed us. It showed us that, that Paul is in chains. He's locked up because he is preaching Jesus. 
okay? He's locked up for that very reason. But Paul has a new insight. He could, I mean, have a pity party all he wants, but he doesn't. He says, because of my physical chains, man, people are getting the gospel, the gospel going even farther than what, it, what I could have done when I am free. I don't, I don't understand. How, how does that happen? Well, you're taking a stance. That's why. So there's a purpose behind why, why Paul is in, in chains. It's because of what he's doing, and everyone knows. Everyone knows. Come on. Who watches the news? I mean, when we look, watch the news and we hear something, who's, who's going online and searching or finding Facebook or looking for a person? I mean, we're trying to find out. Now you're interested in why that person's in this position. Paul did that. Paul was behind bars, okay, preaching the gospel, and when they heard the, the man that was giving the word of God is now behind bars, they, they're searching that thing. Oh, it's for the gospel. What, what's this gospel about? And now they're interested. So now the gospel is going a whole lot farther. See, Paul dared to be captive, literally <laughs> and spiritually. He said, I'm not, I'm not just ch I'm chains in the natural, but I'm chains for Jesus in a good way. I am captivated. I am, I am attracted to him. I'm going to do all that he wants me to do. That's an attitude he has while he's behind bars. That is being captive. He sticks out of the crowd. But here's the thing, being a believer in Jesus, and I want to encourage all of us, including myself, is that we need to also practice the way, the way Apostle Paul practiced. We need to practice the way Jesus lived this world because he left us a living example. He left us a living example. In Matthew 6, or excuse me, Matthew 5 and, and 6, Jesus left a lifestyle for us to live, and the crowds followed is what the Bible said. Whenever he walked, people were just right behind him. All the time, because he was walking this example out. It was something new, something. Jesus stuck out of the crowd. That's it. Jesus just stuck out. He didn't want to be like everybody else. He didn't want to follow the motions. He just wanted to stick out of the crowd. So he started leaving us this, this uh, example. When the people followed, the Bible, and, and, I, and I encourage you guys, read Matthew 6 today, okay, later on today. But in Matthew 6, it led to the, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mountainside. All of a sudden, he goes on this mountainside, and these people are just gathered, and they're listening to him. And now he has, he's able to, to speak to all these people. And the Bible calls it he, uh, the Beatitudes, is what the Bible speaks it as. It's the Beatitudes that he spoke over the people. And I looked up the word Beatitudes, because I, I was like, I want to know a little bit more about this word. But it's actually Latin, Latin for beatus, or beatified. I like beatified, right? And it, what it simply means is blessedness or bliss. So when he was on a mountainside speaking to the people, he was speaking blessedness over them. They were feeling bliss while Jesus was talking, an example that he left us. When he did that, people were getting it. They were receiving that. See, Jesus didn't just walk it, but he spoke it as well, and he lived the lifestyle that he wanted us to live. And in the Beatitudes... I believe there's a whole, the whole list. I encourage you guys, Matthew 6, okay? There's this whole list of how we're supposed to live. But there are three things that tie in together that I believe unlock God's promises, God's heart, God's face, where you see the power of God, okay? And I'm talking to now captive believers, all right? Number one, he says, give. Be a giver, Number two, he says, pray. Pray on, on every occasion. So far, so good, right? We good? All right. 
the last one, and it hurts. It hurts. I feel it. He says, fast. Fast. And he's not saying run fast. Like, I'm out of here, God. I'm doing exactly. No, 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 no. He's not saying run fast and do that. No, he's saying fast. Give up. Sacrifice. Because here's the thing. When you get those three things together, he says, when you give in the Beatitudes. He also says, when you pray and when you fast. He never said, if you give, if you pray, if you fast. He said, when, which means expectation on a lifestyle here on earth. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. I believe those three actions, because it is an action, those three actions come together. But too many casual Christians only do two out of three. I give, I pray, I fast sometimes, you know, just like, I give up a burger, you know. I'll give up all the broccoli in this world, all right? It's just like, no, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about that. He's saying, hey, I need you to, to say no to certain fleshly desires or, or food so you can say yes to me and do what I need to do. And you'll see that even though it hurts, even though it's not fun, you see that there is power behind fasting. That's why we're in this 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's because we want to give the first of our year, 2017, to God so he can bless the rest of it. I'm telling you guys, there are a lot of people that are in bondage right now. There are a lot of people that are financially struggling, uh, spiritually struggling, struggling. Uh, just so many types of struggles out there. And God's saying, hey, there is power behind all that. And we have this thing that we just can't shake off. But God's, Jesus himself is saying, fast. So the power of God can move in you. All right. And Matthew, excuse me, in Matthew 3, Jesus you look at Matthew 3, Jesus uh, is about to enter into his ministry, okay? He gets baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist. And if you didn't know that, he, yeah, they're cousins. I think that's pretty cool. But uh, uh, he gets baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, okay? And so who uh, has ever been to a baptism celebration? I'm not saying tell me if you got water baptism or not, but who's ever been to a baptist celebration? I know I have many of them. I mean, we've done it here at church. I've done it way in the past, and I've seen it. And so many times... When there is a water celebration, when they're like, yeah, they proclaim Jesus, that's awesome, and let's go forward. All right, what buffet are we going to hit after this? Oh, okay, China Inn, let's go. Let's go over here, you know. Oh, we're going to mom's house. She's cooking it up over here. We're celebrating this one. Am I, am I, am I right or wrong? Here's the thing. We all do that, and that is okay. There is nothing wrong with that. But check what Jesus does, Okay. Going to that. He's just getting out of the Jordan River. He just got water baptized. I mean, the heavens open up. The dove comes down. God speaks. I am so pleased with my son. Man, the, these like miraculous things are just happening. And he walks out and he doesn't go to uh, the, the Chinese uh, buffet. <laughs> Luke 4, 1 through 2 says this. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan River, uh, returned to the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Who's ever ate nothing, like eat, you didn't eat anything, and you were really hungry? You know the feeling, right? See, when he got water baptized, it says, full of the Spirit. I want, I want to key that one out, full of the Spirit. He is led by God to fast. For 40 days. And not only that, he's tempted. He's tempted. And all these times, and it's funny how the devil, the first thing he tells him to do is change these rocks into bread. Ooh, 
Go figure. Food. And Jesus says, get behind me. Obviously, there's more temptations, but, but he, he went into this fast full of the spirit. He entered into this fast. What we need to understand, guys, is as believers, we can be filled at any moment. OK, I'm not saying fasting fills you. I'm not saying that because in reality, man, it, it's emptying you out. But fasting doesn't fill you. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a gift that was given to you. And you see that in, in Acts 4, 2. Or, excuse me, Acts 2, 4, where, where uh, uh, God poured his spirit on his people, and we call that the day of Pentecost. So wait, not being filled and not fasting, well, then where are you going with this? Well, let's, let's see what Jesus does after the fast, okay? Going a few verses down, Luke 4, 14 through 15, it says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. There is a difference when Jesus went into the fast and came out of the fast. There is a difference. The Bible says that Jesus went into the fast full of the spirit, okay? So it didn't require fasting to be filled with the spirit. Okay, but it says that he came out of the fast empowered by the spirit, full of filled with the spirit versus powered in the spirit. When you are filled with the spirit, it literally means God is breathing in you and he wants you filled, but not to the brim. He wants you to overflow and he wants that to spill over and everyone else that's in your life, your family, your friends. He wants that flow of, of the Christ identity in you just to come out so you can touch other people's lives. That is being filled by the Spirit. Being empowered by the Spirit is allowing God to work out of you. Amen. That is the difference. Now, we're talking about being filled and now being, uh, going into uh, the power and the operation of what the Holy Spirit's going to do before you. Now, Jesus comes out of the fast, right? Now, he's in the power of the Spirit. Check what Jesus does the moment the fast is done, and he's now in the power of the Spirit. A few verses down, Luke 4, 31 through 32 says this. And then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed of his teaching because his words had authority. Now what he's speaking has authority. Other translation says his words have power. Have you ever been in a position where you were family and friends and you want to talk about Jesus, but you just don't know what to say? Or it's a little awkward? Or oh, you know, how, how do I squeeze Jesus in this conversation? Think about that. See, Jesus got the words from God to speak to people. And that when, we, when we have a lifestyle of fasting, when we just have that as, as just a part of who we are in identity because we want to draw ourselves closer to God, you will have your mouth full of his words to speak at the right moment, at the right moment. But it requires a lifestyle. Now, I'm not saying this, okay? I'm not saying every time you're like, you're going to talk to that, some, that person over here that you're just going to not eat for the moment and then I'm going to go fast and now I'm going to talk. No, no. It has to be a lifestyle is what I'm trying to go with, okay? When you see Jesus, the, the fact is Jesus heard the voice of God and everything that God told him, he spoke to the people and that's power. That is power. People started noticing him more. I mean, he was sticking out of the crowd. Going a few verses down, Luke 4, 40 says, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. 
After Jesus fasted, healing came to people. The healing power of Jesus flowed out of him into the people, and those sickness couldn't stay And anybody. I mean, there, there might be something you guys might be going through or, or people you may have known, known, and I'm not saying anything about, well, am I not getting it, Jesse? Do I? No, 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 because this has never been about us in the first place. It's about what God wants us to do and how God wants us to operate in that. But he requires us to have a lifestyle that's in tune with him. God can do all anything he wants to do. But I believe in the process of praying, giving, and fasting, he's teaching us, the believer, something. He's growing us to maturity so we can be more Christ-like. That's what he wants us to do. I am not questioning the fact that God's not moving in your life. That's not what I'm saying. Because accepting Jesus activates God in your life. It really does. And to the point where God is moving in your life. Even if you've never fasted in your life, you, God is still move, can move in your life. But what I am saying is there is just something, and I can't even quite understand it. There is something about fasting that makes God do the unthinkable, the impossible. And I don't think our minds can ever comprehend that. I don't think I'm ever going to get it, but I'm just going to obey and do it. Because I want to be captive, not casual. I want to stick out. I want people to know through just an example that I love Jesus. And it may rub people the wrong way, but I'm not here to, to, to please the world. I'm here to please what God wants us to do. And he encourages you guys to do the exact same thing. When we practice all three lifestyles, Jesus, Jesus gave us giving, praying, and fasting. We, be, we become unstoppable in this life. We start doing things that we at one point thought was impossible. But now things are working for, for his glory. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I believe there's a principle behind this verse right here that you take, you take the believer and, and him walking. I believe that giving, praying, and fasting is also known as those threefold cords. Okay? I mean, the reason why he wants us to tie all those three up so we're not quickly broken in this life. That when we go through something, and here's the thing, we will go through stuff in life. That is a promise, okay? That God set, God set his son on a mission knowing that we were going to walk things out here. So what I'm not saying that the moment you have Jesus, you're, you're all dandy, you know, everything's going to go great, you know, it's peaches and roses everywhere. I'm not saying that because that is a lie. But he has given us an escape. He's given us a route to take so we can overcome the world. Jesus even said it in his word. Take heart, I have overcome this world. And if we take Jesus and put him in our heart, you have overcome this world. The principle behind that is so, is so we're not quickly broken in this life. But the thing is, it requires us to say no to stomach and yes to God. Now, I know sometimes we can, you know, fast other things. You know, there's, there's Facebook, social media, people, you know. <laughs> I've heard it. I'm just saying what I've heard, okay? <laughs> and I think that's okay. And I think to a sense we do need to disconnect ourselves from the world and certain things, maybe certain habits on how we do things. But Scripture really doesn't tell us to fast all those things. Off the bat, it's food. It's food. You know, and I'm not going to say that's right or wrong how you do it. We do need to practice that. We do need to take a, take a step away and realize, man, there's a life out here. You know, let's go, let's take a walk in the park with my family. I think we do need that. It's just healthy. 
But to see God operate in what scripture says and how, how Jesus walked it out, it's always been tied to food. And I believe the enemy knows that. And that's why it is so hard and it hurts. I mean, if you're, if you're joining us for 21 days, I also want to say, and if you're not, it is not too late. You don't have to do the 21 days. It can be one day, it can be three days, it can be a week, the rest of this time. Because it's, it's not about the timing of it. It's about you encounter saying no to food and yes to God. And there are many types of, of fasting. It doesn't have to be an all out. It could be a meal. It could be, you know, whatever, you got, whatever God's leading you to do so. But what I'm trying to say is when it came to fasting, food, that's where God really showed up and did his thing. And, and everyone. But it requires us to say no to, to food, no to stomach. In the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, there's, there's a man named Daniel. Um, and I was reading about him the other day, and he has a sweet lifestyle. I mean, I, I read about him. I saw the VeggieTale. I mean, it's just all about Daniel. It's, just pre- it's pretty cool how Daniel is just, he just sticks out. And in and, and, and the book of Daniel, you see Daniel's life. I was just reading about his life, just going through it. And I realized, man, he's a giver. Now, I didn't necessarily say he gave money, but I noticed he gave time. And I'm pretty sure he gave all he got. But he always gave his time to God. He, he, just, he, gave, he, he identified with, uh, with the Lord, and he was just a giver. But not only that, he was also a prayer. He prayed all the time. He prayed so much it got him into the lion's den. Think about it. He prayed all the time on every occasion. But not only that, he didn't just give and pray. He was also a Faster. I don't know if that, that sounds good. He fasted. He fasted all. He fasted so much they named the fast after him, the Daniel fast. I mean, he fasted so many times. Here's the thing. He had just decided just to be captivated by God. He wanted to be a captive follower and not just casual. And he stuck out. He stuck out so much that the king, the king noticed him. He stuck out so much that at the end, they started worshiping. Daniel's king, which is our king today, because he was not afraid to be captivated by the Lord. Daniel 10, 4 through 7 says this, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was uh, topaz, like topaz, like his face lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of the multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw this vision. That's key right there. I, Daniel, was the only one that saw this vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. Because Daniel fasted, because he had the threefold cord and he understood and he was captivated by the Lord and he wanted to stick out from the crowd and he could care less than what people thought. He was just the only person that had this vision, number one, but he was living heaven on earth. That whole description of that person is heaven on earth and he was the only one that saw people around him and they couldn't see it. But because where he was at with his Lord, he was the only one that could see, that could see this in, uh, heavenly encounter. You guys can see heavenly encounters. And I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, gold, gold waste, you know, white. I'm not saying that. But you want to see breakthroughs in your life? You want to see God do impossible things when everyone says it's impossible or the unthinkable? 
Try it. Try him. Apply a lifestyle of giving, praying, and fasting. And the perfect opportunity is even now with the church coming together as a 21 days. And this is not just a res life deal. All churches around the nation, I believe the world too, are entering in this 21 day of prayer and fasting because we just want to give the Lord the best for this 2017. It's what we want to do. Now, you can see where Daniel did encounter the heavenly things. You guys have that exact same thing. But the reason why, the reason why the Lord puts a lifestyle of fasting in us is because God has a vision for our lives. God has a vision for us personally, and it's to change, to change our lives. In Joel chapter 2, verse 12 to 17, and this is from the message translation. There are other translations, but I love the way the message just kind of brought it out and detailed it. It, it. it drew this whole thing out for us, okay? It says this, but there's also this, it's not too late. God's personal message. Come back to me and really mean it. Stop for a second. Come back to me and really mean it. You see, what happens is when we say no to this world or no to stuff or to my pleasures, we're saying yes to God. And we are just now looking God face to face without any distractions. Nothing, not, nothing to hurdle anymore because we're coming to a point where we're humbling ourselves. We're coming before the Lord. In this, this season of, of fasting, he says, Your pur- the purpose is just for you to return to me. He says, come fasting and weeping. Sorry for your sins. Change your life and not just your clothes. He's saying, hey, it's not just about the outer appearance. Don't just show up on a Sunday. Don't just show up on a Wednesday. I want what's inside, not the outside. I want what's inside in you. Change your life, not just your clothes. Come back to God, your God. And here's why, the reason. God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath and puts up with a lot. (laughs) Parents, you ever have to take a deep breath because you're putting up a lot with your children? That feeling, you know, they just don't know better yet. But man, it teaches, us, it teaches us moments, teaches us patience, how to love when it's hard to love, how to not yell when we want to yell. It's a teachable moment. And so what God is doing in our personal lives all the time is he's being that patient, God. And he's doing it because he has a loving heart. Man, the way you love your children or whatever you're being patient for when it comes to your family, how much more you're God in our personal lives. God is kind and merciful. He takes a deep breath and puts up with a lot. The most patient God, extravagant in love, always ready to cancel catastrophe. Think about that. Let that digest in your heart and in your mind. I'm gonna skip down to 15. He says this, blow the ram's horn trumpet in Zion, declare a day of repentance, a holy fast day, call a public meeting, get everyone there, consecrate the congregation, make sure the elders come, but bring in the children too, even the nursing babies. Guys, this isn't just for us, it's for our children as well. And for the infants as well, because what we do in our lifestyle that we have in tune with Jesus, our children are going to benefit from it. It is a promise. It is a promise. 
It is not too late. I know there are a lot of praying moms and dads out there where my, my, my son is this way, my daughter is this way. But when you have a lifestyle that is according to the word of God and according to what Jesus wants you to do, watch God pour his spirit on your children. That is impossible in your eyes, but not impossible in God's eyes. Come on, you got to think about this for a second. There is a point, a breaking point, that we have to just take this off. Maybe even close our eyes and just hold God's hand and say, you know what, take me the rest of the way. Because when I open my eyes, I just tend to do my own thing. Captive Christian over a casual Christian. He says, even men and women on their honeymoon, interrupt them and get them there. Need I say more? You may be living a honeymoon stage, but that's how important God wants us to do this. Doesn't matter what season you're in. Doesn't matter what excuse you have. Newlyweds, you, it means you too. He's saying, interrupt all that so we can come together as a people, as children of God. Between, uh, between sanctuary entrance and altar, let the priests, God's servants, weep tears of repentance. Let them intercede. Have mercy, God, on your people. Have mercy, God, on your people. God's heart is not to make life hard for you. God's heart is not for him to make things, you know, not seem clear or not quite understanding. God's heart is for you to learn and grow. But it requires you to learn and grow. And it takes time. There's just something about fasting that breaks strongholds. I'm going to end it with a quick story that I heard the other day. There are these two lumberjacks, okay? Two lumberjacks. One was pretty fit, you know, strong, knew what he was doing. He was actually the champion. Then we have another regular lumberjack on the side. Now, the champ saw the other lumberjack, and the champ said, hey, I challenge you today. Let's see who can, who can cut the most, the most wood. The guy says, all right, let's do it. The day begins. Champ comes, boom, just hammering this thing away. Other lumberjack comes, boom, just hammering this thing away. It's, it's pretty good competition. Sometime later during the day, the champ looks at the other lumberjack and he looks at him and he's like, he's taking a break. I got this in my pocket. Oh, I'm definitely getting this. Other lumberjack goes into it, starts chopping the wood down. Champ looks again later on in the day and he's taking another break. What? Man, I, I think I can ease up a little bit now. I definitely got this guy. Well, this happens all day. It's the end of the day, and they come together. The champ looks at the other lumberjack, and he notices that he has more wood than what he has. Champ goes, man, how, how did you do that? I don't understand. I, 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 I used my whole muscles. I, I mean, I didn't stop. You took frequent breaks. And you beat me? <laughs> oh, the lumberjack goes to the champ. What you thought I was doing with, with breaks was not that. I was actually sharpening my blade. And because I have a sharpened blade, I was able to just cut right through this wood easy. When it comes to fasting, you are sharpening your blade. You may think you're out. You may think, man, I got to catch up with these other Christians. Man, they're doing big things for God. Man, I got to do. No, you are sharpening your blade. When it comes to fasting, you're doing this thing. So when it's game time and God says, hey, I need you over here right now. Yes, God. 
You got it. Because your acts will never go dull. There is something about fasting. 